This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday and that means it's time for our Zoomer squad. And boy, that breaking news is just awful. Um, just a few minutes before noon, uh, we found out, the Premier uh, told City News that we will be running out of protective gear for healthcare workers because the Trump administration stopped that shipment of 3 million masks yesterday at the border. We don't have details on it. The prime minister was asked about it in his daily news conference, and uh, it was the usual that he was trying to find a way, blah, blah, blah. So we don't have much of an answer on that, but that is just stunning news. Uh, and again, you know, border agents usually have discretion. Uh, Trump said that he wanted to keep all the protective gear in the United States. At some a certain point, he walked that back a little bit, saying, well, if it was a longstanding order, it could go through. And uh, this appears to be the result, and it is very serious indeed. Also, today is the first day Canadians can apply for the new emergency benefit, and Zoomers have a lot of questions. First, apparently, you can make the application by phone. We tried the number that offered speaking to an agent and could not get through. No surprise there. The other number required a social insurance number just to get started. And then there's the question about the eligibility of people who have lost part-time jobs but are also collecting government pensions. We think we have the answer to that. And uh, meanwhile, of course, terrible long-term care homes are bearing the biggest burden of tragic deaths during the outbreak. Let me give the numbers out if you'd like to call in. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I would like to welcome the Zoomer squad, including Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media, and Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hello and welcome. Hi, Libby. Hello. Okay, so this is uh, pretty shocking news about a shipment being held up at the border yesterday. Who wants to start? <laughs> Nobody wants to jump in. Um, yeah. I guess I guess it's brand new news, so we don't know whether it's been held up or turned back. Uh, if it's never going to make it, that's just an unconscionable, um, you know, action. Um, or whether it's just that the instructions have been. Uh, garbled and uh, uh, a border agent isn't sure yet, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. But if if uh, we can't get uh, orders delivered that have been contracted for, um, then I it's, it's a shocking development that uh, has to be condemned all around, I think. The, the- well, and it, and it is really concerning because we know that there are people working in our hospitals and in our long-term care homes that are not fully equipped with the proper protective gear. Um, and that's due to, in large part, a shortage and just not having enough supply of it 
Uh, the other issue, of course, is the higher prices that we're seeing on this equipment. Um, and from what I understand, it's basically due to, you know, international supplier prices, which is just frankly disgraceful that people are trying to profit in this environment. Um, I understand covering costs, but when it costs, you know, a couple cents to make a mask and they're being sold for $8 pop, it's just disgraceful. Well, and I gather some of those uh, prices are coming from China and we sent a huge shipment to China. Uh, what was it even a month ago? Yeah, uh, Trudeau got in trouble for that, and um, and now he's um, he's he says that um, you know with, with the U.S. He said today we are expecting these products to be delivered, but uh, he didn't sound very reassuring, and he tried to sort of say this is a this is an issue that's affecting countries all over, but um, it's particularly um, scary when it affects Ontario, you know. Well, I'm assuming those three million were, uh, you know, were ordered beforehand, and the price is the price. And uh, you know, from what I've seen of the company 3M, they they would like to deliver them. Well, I think that's true, and I think that that, that that's why um, you know the the report of turned back versus held up is still waiting to see, but. But it's a very serious business if we can't get our hands on anything coming out of the United States, uh, even when it's been ordered and, you know, presumably paid for. Well, interesting, a couple of things. So uh, there isn't a lot that's come out on this. The copy that I'm looking at says stopped. It doesn't say turned back. Um, but the the other thing that I heard on the weekend was that, our pulp is used to make these masks, mm. Canadian pulp, uh, right. which I would think gives us a, a bit of a liver. Lever. Well, I think so. But then you want to get I mean, if you start getting into that whole, uh, you know, dare I say the phrase quid pro quo game of uh, or tit for tat, I guess, of, you know, you don't do this, we won't do that among countries that are uh, allies and that have cooperated. And indeed, even on this uh COVID-19, there have been examples going the other way where, where the American government has uh, been very cooperative. I think Trump intervened in the case of that cruise ship that was uh, that orphan ship that couldn't land anywhere, and they, they brought it into Fort Lauderdale, I guess, and worked with the Canadian government to get the Canadians home. So there have been examples of, of uh, humanitarian and operational cooperation, and yet now you see this. So it's very contradictory and very difficult, I would think, for our governments, both federal and provincial, to uh, to operate or make policy if you don't know where you stand from minute to minute. Well, yeah, Trump, what can I say? But it's, it's also, I mean, they're a lot bigger than we are, bottom line. Do we, does anybody know, I'm just asking, do we have alternative uh, uh, sources or alternative backup plans uh, for well, this? I don't know. Well, I think the, that's the question, yeah. The uh, Doug Ford, I mean, this came out in, in a, an interview that Doug Ford just gave, and he said he doesn't know if they can get it. Doesn't know. We have a week well, supply left here in Ontario. sounds like a, a, a challenge. I mean, maybe they can, you know, gradually get more, but I, it, it's very distressing. Yeah. And you know what's happening is that um, nurses are, are taking them home and washing them at night and bringing them back for the next day, you know, worried that they won't have one for tomorrow. Well, uh, the the chief medical officer of, of health, uh, Dr. Tam, has said, don't throw them out. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they can be repurposed. Reused, yeah. Okay, well, let us uh, hope so. I mean, in general, the situation in our long-term care homes is tragic. Well, it's very, it's very tragic. And, if you, you know, you look, you just announced the Ontario numbers on the news broadcast. That I had 120 as of this morning, I guess up to 132 now. And 25, is it, from one building in Ontario? I mean, from that uh, Bob Cajun thing. So there's an example of how heavily concentrated... Um, this, uh, these fatalities, at least, I don't, I'm not saying all the cases, but the fatalities, at least, are so heavily concentrated in uh, these kinds of facilities. And, uh, well, and there, and there are a number of reasons why these outbreaks are, are difficult to control in nursing homes. Um, often, uh, older adults may not always spike a high fever, so it's hard to, to diagnose. Immediately, um, we also know that obviously many of them are frail. They live in close proximity, so the likelihood of it spreading is just is just you know that much greater. And when you look at the statistics, you know over seventy percent of deaths in Ontario have been in long term care and retirement homes, and this is really causing a lot of worry, specifically for you know for for people who have loved ones in those homes. Yeah, it's safe to say the the iron ring isn't working. It's been breached. And the fact that, you know, many, we do know that a lot of people in our PSWs, other care workers in long-term care homes, again, aren't fully equipped with gloves and masks when they go in there. And frankly, as far as I understand, there's no directive to either unless there's an outbreak. But there's certainly a shortage. And and what I've been saying all along is if you're working in a long-term care home, you should be covered um, covering your hands and your mouth at all times. You shouldn't be going in there just because of how easy it is to spread this virus and how, you know, uniquely frail these residents are. Uh, and I, I think to that point, I think two or three, I don't I, I don't remember the number, but a couple at least of the fatalities in Bob Cajun were, were, were staff or volunteers. Well, it was a, one was the wife of a resident who died a few days oh, okay. after her, uh, who was a volunteer, um, and she was also uh, an older person, but not in the nursing home. Right. Okay. Uh, but it's still very, very dangerous, very risky for those people. Okay. Let's talk a bit about the emergency benefit. Uh, so uh, we are going to be talking to the parliamentary secretary, to the Minister of National Revenue shortly to clear this up once and for all. But uh, a lot of Zoomers have been wondering if they're covered, if mm if they have a part-time job that they lost, uh, but are also collecting a government pension. Mm -hmm. So the issue is, is it's not clear yet. And I can tell you that I've personally been working on, working on clarity on this question for over a week now. People on CPP, for example, will probably be eligible for CERB, but there may be a dollar-for-dollar deduction. Again, we don't know. The portal was just launched this morning. Um, And so, you know, having spoken to several employment lawyers and several accountants trying to get to the bottom of this, I think just at this moment in time, we just don't know. I do have a call with the seniors minister scheduled later today, so I'll put the question to her. Um, but we do know that one of the qualifications for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit is that you're receiving no other income. Now, does that mean employment income or is that retirement income? Again, we just at this point in time don't know 
but I hope to have an answer by the end of the day for you, Libby. Well, we might have an answer sooner. We talked to somebody in the office of the Minister of National Revenue who said, yes, they're covered. So, uh, but I don't know, is, it, I mean, you know, we're getting a lot of different answers and, and I will be much happier when it's double and triple checked. Right. And are they covered or will there be deductions um, like there is with people on ODSP, for example? So, uh, as I said, I think, I think there's just a lot of questions, um, unanswered questions at this point. And uh, there's also, I mean, the Prime Minister said that he was going to look at other types of benefits to cover people who might be falling through the cracks. And, you know, we've been talking about long-term care homes. And the sad fact is that some people who are working in those dangerous long-term care homes um, probably make less than they would get on this benefit. And he says he wants to make that right, which I would think makes sense. I would think that makes sense, too. That's all, well, that's always the tricky part when you design these programs. Are you, uh, are you inadvertently, you know, the law of unintended consequences, are you inadvertently driving people out of employment that you need? Um, and so I, I'm not that surprised that they're tweaking this as they go along. They're, they're, uh, you know, caught by this huge, huge economic problem and they're, you know, finessing it. Uh, you know, making it up as, as they go along a little bit. I don't think they can be entirely uh, uh, critiqued for that. I think it's just the inevitable part of, of how quickly this crisis has come along and how unprecedented it is. Yeah. But, and the other know, part you can is expect the... to see details being added and tweaked and fixed as they move forward. Sorry, sorry Peter. The, the other part is the, the wage subsidy, um, the, the relief that was passed by Parliament was not the 75% um, government-backed uh, subsidy that Trudeau announced later. So par- uh, Parliament has to reconvene this week and repass that legislation with the new number. And then there's after that, there's no indication of when that money is going to start flowing through to businesses. You know, so that's also another factor that's uh, being held up now by as the bureaucracy gets its head around how to how to spread out this relief money. I well, will say though that I have been um, just amazed with how quickly the response has been from the federal government. And I think that they've um, done a very good job in trying to reassure Canadians that that they'll be there for them. Um, Two million people we know applied for EI after March 15th, and all of those people will be converted automatically over to the new Canada Emergency Response Benefit Program today. Um, And the fact that they, you know, are making promises of, I don't know, five to 10 days before you receive a paycheck, that's really remarkable given the number of people that are, are applying for these programs. So, you know, um, well, that's why the point is it's amazing that the government's been able to, to mobilize this so quickly given the number of people that have been affected by this. Well, they, uh, that's why they moved it over to the Canada Reg- Revenue Agency, which is an agency that can apparently, we hope, move quickly on all of these things. Uh, and uh, the according to the government's numbers, they expect that when all is said and done, 4 million people will be on this. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask about it is um, um, in terms of a lot of uh, Zoomers don't want to apply online. They want to use the phone. We tried phone numbers, not surprisingly, the one that says you can speak to an agent. We could not get through on. There was another one 
that you had to give your social insurance number for. So uh, we didn't proceed with that. What are you finding, Marissa, on, on that front? Well, it was just launched again this morning. So I haven't heard much from, from people trying to get through. We, up until this point, have heard from a number of people that have had questions about whether or not they qualify and were worried that when this site eventually launched and when the when the phone number was published, that there would indeed be backlogs and, and, and long waits. And I think in some ways that was inevitable, given the number of people that are trying to apply for this program today, um, just because it's launch day. So I would say, you know, have some patience and, and try again a little bit later. And again, if you're, if you're really struggling trying to get through, um, please let us know over at CARP and we'll do our best to, to help you. Okay. And also reach out to any family or uh, people who may be able to get you online um, to do it that way. So yeah. don't don't accept that the telephone is your only uh, means of doing this. Um, let us know, as Marissa said. Yeah. But also, you know, a lot of people have you know children, grandchildren, whatever that can go online and and do this on your behalf. Yeah, that's a great point, David. Okay, now I I have something just in. Uh, and I'd like to take a call that relates to it. So uh, Dr. Teresa Tam is apparently changing her advice on wearing masks for regular uh, people wearing, you know, just cloth masks. Mm-hmm. And she she now says it's a way for people who might have COVID-19 without realizing it to keep from spreading the illness. Uh, so yeah, she says masks worn this way to protect others, uh, more than they protect the people wearing them and don't exempt, exempt wearers from all the measures that they should be taking, like distancing and regular hand washing. And I'd like to take a call from Catherine in Dunville. Hi, Catherine. Hi, how are you today, Libby? Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. I'm, uh, a semi-retired seamstress, self-employed, so, um, and I work for the church, so they're not ordering too many things right now. And so I thought, I have a, quite a bit of supplies. Is it possible to make these, even if it's just for, like, local hospitals or something like that? Well, it's it's possible to make the ones that are not for medical personnel, that are just for people to stop uh, themselves okay. from spreading it. There's all kinds of online tutorials on on how to make them. And I think if you've got some of the right elastics, you don't even need a sewing machine, but a sewing machine helps. There, There's yeah. lots and lots of online uh, instructions on how to make them. And I'm sure, I'm sure that they would be much appreciated. Yeah. My daughter-in-law is a nurse at Sunnybrook uh, Neonatal Care. So She's, um, I've given her a couple of things to just wear back and forth to work because she feels better that way. (laughs) So I just wondered, like, is it because it's a special medical fabric that they use or material that they use that can't be used in hospitals? Well, they're much more, uh, they're much more protective. Uh, they're some of the, the most advanced ones are called respirators. I yeah. don't know exactly how they're made, but they're, they're not, these are, this is just a piece of cloth. Yeah. Uh, covering okay. your mouth and nose, but good for you, Catherine. Well, you know, we got everybody has to do something. So <laughs> thank exactly. you for that. It's a little thing I can do to help, even if it's just. I have some friends that have children that are nurses, and if they just have them back and forth to work, they'll feel better. So, Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Enjoy your day. Thank you.
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it is definitely, uh, you know, not a bad idea to wear that, even if, uh, and, and particularly if you're, uh, healthy and for whatever reason you're out, it's probably a, a pretty good idea. It certainly won't hurt, Marissa. Have you had a lot of, uh, questions about masks? We have. And I know, you know, my husband and I are taking our own precautions. We don't have masks because I, I mean, we don't even know where to look or where to, where to acquire them, but we certainly wear gloves every time we go to a grocery store. Um, and I can tell you that through our own, you know, network of people that are calling into the call center, a lot of them express, you know, similar wonders. How do I even access these masks? But they're certainly taking the, I mean, everybody has a set of gloves for the most part. So people at the very least are taking that precaution when they go out of the house, um, especially when they go grocery shopping. Even when I'm at the grocery store, for that matter, I, I haven't seen a single person without gloves on. Oh, yeah, I wear the gloves uh, at the grocery store. And I also, I mean, I'm I'm not very good at the uh, DIY thing. So uh, no, I'm not going to start making a mask. <laughs> if somebody has an extra one for me, I'll certainly wear it when I'm but, uh, but, out in the street. What, what, what's interesting, though, is if, if the purpose is to protect others, it's a whole different situation. I mean, 48 hours, 72 hours ago at the daily U.S. Uh, press conference is subject to putting a scarf around here. Just a re- ordinary scarf <clears throat> was floated, widely ridiculed. The next day they said, yeah, do that if yeah. you want to protect other people. Don't expect it to necessarily protect you from inbound, but at least it reduces your chances of um, endangering other people. So I had occasion yesterday to go to a store in my car for a pickup to pick up an item, <clears throat> and I saw at least... Uh, half a dozen people um, uh, with their faces covered, about half of them with a mask and about half of them with a, a regular um, scarf. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just interesting how quickly this changes and how challenging it can be to keep up with uh, what you should be doing. Well, and, and interesting. So uh, Dr. Fauci said, yes, go ahead and wear a mask. And uh, the first person to say, nah, I'm not going to do it was, of course, Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a good example. It is interesting. Uh, I did notice almost an increase in panic this weekend. I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but for the first time since the beginning of this crisis, I saw lineups at grocery stores and, uh, you know, maybe they're just being more precautious no, about the number of people that they're people. letting in. But it felt like there was a higher level of panic this weekend yeah. than we've seen in the last few weeks. They're well, severely my grocery- limiting the people in now. Like, it, it's, it, it, it was cut in half, I think, from what it was uh, just last week. So that, I, I think that explains the lineups. You, you know? mean panic over the supply that they could buy or panic no. over... How many they'll let in? It's just, I, I mean, at my grocery store, the lineup was just longer. Uh, but I, I went on Saturday instead of Friday. And uh, both last week and this week, somebody was at the door asking you questions. Have you traveled? Right. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah. And people seem to be more, uh, you know, in the, in, in the grocery store, see, people seem to be more careful, like, it wasn't just that you were trying to so. avoid them. They were trying to avoid yeah. you. And the feeling mm-hmm. was different. You know, last week it was almost, you know, I've, I've heard them, um, you know, complain about, quote, social uh, grocery outings. So last week it seemed a bit more like that. This week you could just sense the anxiety in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, pe- and people are getting cabin too. fever too. Like they're just they, you have people, to stand on the tape yeah. now. They have tapes on on the ground six feet apart. Where I shop, um, you have to sanitize your hands before you go in. They have a hand sanitizer at the door, and again at the cash register after you pay. So um, I think, and I think everybody was pretty uh, cooperative and, and good humored about. It. I think people want to do the right thing, and 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 largely are trying to do the right thing. Or you know. And and you wonder, I mean, it's such good, it, it, generally, it's just a good, good habit, good practice to do this when you go into a grocery store anyway. So you hope that these types of things that we're implementing now are long-lasting even after the coronavirus goes away because there are other viruses out there that are, you know, easily spread like your common flu. And maybe this, these types of measures that we're taking now will help to mitigate that, that, you know, the deaths and the hospitalizations going forward if people continue to, to do things this way. Okay, we are basically out of time. I'm going to give you uh, 20 seconds each, starting with Peter. Well, um, we, uh, again, I'll, I'll say visit our, the website, everythingzoomer.com, for constant updates on coronavirus and a article on um, Marissa Lennox talking about why you should pull seniors out of nursing homes, if you're able to. Okay. Uh, David? Uh, If I can give a a pitch for another piece of content people should check on uh, CARP website, Uh, I took part in a uh, Facebook Live event last week about the plethora of new frauds and scams, I'm sorry to say, that are appearing as a result of coronavirus. It's just uh, a tidal wave of new stuff. And uh, on the CARP website, as well as on everythingzoomer.com. And coming up, and that, David. Uh, you'll find that there for and you. And that is coming up in the show uh, in uh, approximately 10 minutes after we speak to the Minister oh, of National Revenue. We're going to also update those scams. And Marissa, so you are going to check into the details, right? I will. Yes, I will do that. Okay. Uh, great. So, uh, thank you so much, Zoomer Squad. It's, uh, really hard to stay on top of everything with all of this, you know, moving a mile a minute. So I thank you so much, Peter Mugridge, David Kravitz, and Marissa Lennox. Thanks, Libby. Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.